Welcome to Law X.0, a Bloomberg Law podcast dedicated to seeing around corners and preparing you for the next version of the legal industry. Welcome to Law X.0. I'm Meg McAvoy. And I'm Dory Goldstein. We are legal analysts with Bloomberg Law. Today, we're talking about healthcare information and data breaches. Here to help us out on this topic is our Bloomberg Law colleague, Betsy Mountenay. Betsy is an analysis manager at Bloomberg Law who focuses on healthcare. Welcome, Betsy. Thanks so much. Betsy, I know we're talking about HIPAA today, but can you explain what that is? Well, HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. The P isn't for privacy and the I isn't for information. And that surprises a lot of people because HIPAA is generally understood to be a healthcare information, privacy and security law and a bunch of associated regulations. Okay. And since our listeners are a general legal audience, can you tell us a little bit more about why a lawyer who does not represent healthcare companies or insurance companies, why should they be concerned about HIPAA? Well, it actually turns out that a company that isn't a healthcare provider or a health plan can violate HIPAA if they're in a business associate relationship with a HIPAA-covered entity. And we actually reviewed some reports to the um, HHS Office for Civil Rights and found that about 25% of data breaches reported since 2016 arose on a business associate's watch. Um, and this is getting a lot of attention because there was a large breach recently, um, but 20 plus companies were doing business with this uh, collection agency. Um, And as a result of uh, the cost of the breach notification, the reputational damage, these companies not wanting to do business with them, that company went bankrupt. And Congress is starting to scrutinize the vendor selection process for healthcare companies. So all kinds of tech companies and others might be implicated in this, and it might be harder for them to do business, or they might be expected to have stronger HIPAA uh, safeguards um, as they do business with these kinds of companies. You mentioned PHI. What is that? It's protected health information. PHI generally refers to something like um, your personal information, your diagnostic information, some of your financial information, your social security number. Who do you have with you to talk to us today about it? Well, today I am joined by Ileana Peters. She's a health law attorney and shareholder at Pulsinelli's DC office. Before joining Pulsinelli, though, she was a former acting deputy director and senior advisor for HIPAA compliance and enforcement at the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights. So, Ileana, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, we've heard, um, we've all heard recently in the news about some very large breaches at um, HIPAA Business Associates, including one that I mentioned before that might be the second largest healthcare data breach ever reported. So, can you tell us just what exactly a business associate is? So, HIPAA does cover certain types of entities. So to your earlier point, it doesn't cover everybody that has health information, but it covers what are called covered entities, and those are health plans, your health insurance plans, and healthcare clearinghouses, which is a very specific type of entity that a lot of people don't know much about, which is just fine. You don't interact with them every day. And then <laughs> most healthcare providers, those healthcare providers that bill insurance companies. So HIPAA originally covered this very sort of finite set of entities, health plans, healthcare clearinghouses, and healthcare providers, but only those that bill insurance. So if your doctor is a cash-only doctor and only takes cash and credit cards, they would not be covered by HIPAA. Um, Recently, in 2009, uh, Congress extended the vast majority of the HIPAA requirements 
to entities that do business with HIPAA-covered entities. So again, um, these are vendors that do uh, a series of things for HIPAA-covered entities, for those health plans and healthcare providers, and that, would, that is what makes them covered under HIPAA. So these are entities specifically that create, receive, maintain, or transmit the data that's covered by HIPAA called protected health information that we mentioned earlier. So if you are a vendor and you are working with a health plan or a healthcare provider and you're doing a service for them that involves protected health information, then you're a business associate and you must comply with HIPAA in specific circumstances. So that sounds like there are a lot of different types of organizations or companies that could be doing business with um, these HIPAA-covered entities. So what are some examples of companies that would be considered business associates? Yeah, really good question. So the vast majority of business associates are those people or companies that provide what are called healthcare operations services. So it's really about the business of healthcare. So let's say you have a physician's office. And as you mentioned earlier, Betsy, there are a lot of different types of entities that are covered by HIPAA. Um, but you can have small doctor's offices. You can have big health plans or big health care systems. Um, you can have small dentist offices. It just really varies. But let's say you're a small doctor's office and you really don't have the manpower to do all of your billing functions, to run your business, to really make sure that you're complying with all of your regulations um, under uh, you know, HIPAA and other health care laws that may be applicable to you. So you hire a vendor or uh, specific people to help you with that work, um, and they're your contractors. And so you hire a billing vendor, you hire a medical transcriptionist, um, you may hire a lawyer to help you with um, all of your regulatory compliance, you may hire an IT vendor to help you with all of your computers and your devices and your phones. All of those types of entities, because they're helping with that healthcare operations work of that doctor's office, and to do so, they need access to patient data, would be considered HIPAA business associates and would have to comply with HIPAA requirements. So it's a similar analysis, whether you're a small doctor's office or whether you're a big health plan, to really determine whether or not a vendor you're using is a business associate, but they are, they're usually involved in really the business of healthcare and helping those entities do business. So um, as I discussed earlier, there can be some pretty severe things that happen if a data breach happens um, at a business associate. And so it's really important for these companies to be doing everything they can to avoid a major breach. So what should they be doing to, to prevent a breach and to um, not run afoul of HIPAA? Right. So... As you've highlighted, a lot of what we do nowadays is um, respond to security incidents. So it's important to understand that not all security incidents end up being breaches that have to be reported, not only to HHS Office for Civil Rights, but also to the state attorneys general, which also have jurisdiction to enforce HIPAA and are very concerned with breach notification requirements as well, particularly under state law. But 
Um, what we want to do is protect against both. So we want to make sure that we have good defenses against all types of security incidents, whether or not they end up being breaches. And what I mean is that in some circumstances, we may have an incident that ends up not involving patient data, for example. But we want to protect against that type of incident anyway, because we might have other data, employee data, or we might just be concerned about the incident generally. And in order to do that, um, we have requirements under the HIPAA security rule that are known as administrative, physical, and technical safeguards. These are common in all economic sectors, and it is expected in most economic sectors that entities implement these types of controls on their data. Um, but specifically, the HIPAA security rule requires very specific types of implementation of these administrative, physical, and technical safeguards. And so they're just what they sound like. Administrative safeguards are things like policies and procedures and training, um, making sure you have the right staff, including a security officer, to deal with all of these security issues. So they're, they're, they're really the administrative functions of the entity to protect their data. Physical safeguards are also just what they sound like. They're actual physical controls to keep data safe. So do we lock our doors? Do we use badge access? Do we have security cameras? How do we control how our devices move in and outside of our facilities? All of those would be considered physical controls or physical safeguards that are required under the HIPAA security rule. And finally, we have technical safeguards. And those, again, are just what they sound like. Those are all of the things that we do to our systems and our devices and even our relationships with our other vendors to make sure that our data is kept safe in our electronic systems. So those are things like uh, vulnerability testing, um, pushing patches, making sure we have good antivirus and malware protection, making sure we have good access controls so only the people who need access to our data get access to our data, making sure that we encrypt our data when it's being transmitted or when it's at rest on our systems. So all of those are examples of technical safeguards that HIPAA would require that we implement to keep this data safe. So that sounds like a lot of requirements that a business associate has to meet. Um, have you found that there are particular requirements that um, they're not meeting? Are they susceptible to certain types of breaches? Are there areas where their compliance with HIPAA seems to be particularly lacking? Really good question. And I think it's a question that not only the Department of Health and Human Services, but also the state AGs have highlighted in their recent enforcement cases. So both um, HHS and the state attorneys general have been fairly aggressive, particularly lately, about enforcing the HIPAA requirements um, on different types of entities without really regard to size or uh, sort of what they do. They can be both those healthcare entities that we talked about earlier or their vendors. And one of the things that HHS and the state AGs continue to highlight is the fact that entities really need to do a better job of understanding where their data is that's protected by HIPAA. So the vast majority of settlements that 
with HHS include a potential violation that involves what's called a risk analysis under the HIPAA security rule or a risk assessment in other economic sectors and industries. And it's basically a process where the entity has to understand where all of its data lives. So really what its data life cycle is, really understanding data mapping and data flows of its data so we can understand everywhere it goes and everyone that touches it so it can protect it. And what ends up happening is that if entities don't do a good job on this foundational risk analysis element that's required by the HIPAA security rule, they end up missing data. And if they miss data, then they don't safeguard it appropriately, and that's the data where they have a breach. So it's really important for these entities to get a really good handle on where their data is so they can understand the risk to it so they can protect against those risks so they don't have a breach. And if they missed any particular type of data, whether it's you know, going to a particular vendor or whether it's in a particular system or a device, then it's very likely they could have a breach in that particular area. And then, of course, we will have regulatory issues as a result. That's really interesting. And, um, you know, I, I wonder how all of this stuff applies to all the new healthcare devices that are coming onto the market. Um, there seems to be some confusion about when a covered entity, um, you know, needs to get into a business associate agreement with some of those um, mobile device companies and apps and those sorts of things. And a lot of confusion among consumers about whether HIPAA covers them or not. So at what point do the companies that make um, devices and apps that gather healthcare data become business associates? Really good question. And that point is when those companies start interacting with health plans or healthcare providers. So if a particular device or application is direct to consumer only, they only provide services directly to consumers. They do not interact with any healthcare providers, any doctors, any hospitals, or any health insurance plans. They're not covered by HIPAA. So any application or device that you use that works only with patients directly um, isn't going to be covered by HIPAA. Now, there are other laws that apply, obviously, um, particularly the Federal Trade Commission has jurisdiction over these entities, as do many uh, state attorneys general under state law. So it's not like there aren't any protections for this information. It's important to understand that piece. But HIPAA doesn't apply. The minute, however, that those applications or vendors start working with healthcare providers or health insurance companies or other vendors for those healthcare providers or health insurance companies, that's when they come under the HIPAA umbrella as well. It doesn't seem like something that a lot of consumers might understand. Um, do you think there are some risks to this data um, not being regulated by HIPAA specifically, but being regulated under other ways? Or do you think that this is something that um, that might be uh, that HIPAA might be expanded to cover as well? 
I think it's a really good question. I mean, obviously, right now, there are a lot of conversations going on about data protection more generally in the United States. We don't have a general data protection initiative like the European Union does, for example. So we don't have laws that apply across all economic sectors equally to protect data in the same way. In the United States, we generally have a sector-based approach to how we regulate data, for example. So it's it's a question that's ongoing, and I think it would take, obviously, work by Congress to really try and figure out whether or not HIPAA is designed to be implemented in a way that it covers many more entities. So as we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act was never about privacy or security of data. It was about ensuring that health insurance companies and healthcare providers could get paid or pay for services related to healthcare in an efficient way. So HIPAA was written to make sure that doctors and health insurance companies shared information in a standard way about the healthcare services that doctors were providing. And because that information was going to control going to be transmitted electronically, then we got protections for privacy and security. So I think there's always this underlying question whether HIPAA is really the appropriate vehicle to try and get to all health data in the United States, because that's not what the original law was designed to do. And of course, Congress would have to update the original law in order to make it apply more broadly. So another thing that HIPAA definitely did not envision was artificial intelligence. And with all of this health data being created, there are a lot of benefits to patients and providers to applying artificial intelligence to that data. We can improve patient outcomes. We can do so many things. But um, is HIPAA actually impacting the adoption of AI? Is it helping or hindering that? You know, I think one of the most amazing things about the HIPAA rules, and that is the privacy, security, and breach notification rules, is that they are written in a way that, at least so far, has been very adaptable to different types of technologies. So the HIPAA security rule, for example, is not technology-specific. It's technology-neutral. So it has different types of controls that are in place, um, but it doesn't specify specifically how those controls have to be implemented. And so entities can implement those safeguards in different ways. Similarly, under the privacy rule, there are a lot of permissions for how data can be used and disclosed. And, And things like treatment, things like payment, And those healthcare operations that I talked about earlier for healthcare providers and health plans are permitted under the HIPAA privacy rule. So I think there continues to be a lot of confusion about what the rules provide for and how they can adapt to new technologies. And I haven't been able to nail down a specific issue with how either the privacy rule or the security rule is outdated in a way that would not allow for important um, uses of the type of information we're talking about for things like treatment. So when we're talking about AI in the healthcare sector, we're talking about things like 
um, clinical decision support, and tools that doctors use to provide treatment to individuals. Of course, those are functions that are permitted, and the use of information for those purposes would be permitted under the privacy rule, and the safeguards that are required on that data would be able to be implemented in a flexible way to those solutions under the HIPAA security rule. So there may be challenges moving forward, certainly, with how we think about these questions and how we figure out out whether or not the uses of the information are permitted under the privacy rule and whether or not the safeguards are appropriate under the security rule, but I think that there is still a lot we can do within the HIPAA rules now. Eliana, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really interesting discussion of HIPAA and how it affects the legal industry generally. Um, If listeners want to follow more of your work, where can they find you? I do have a great website on Polsonelli, so you can just type my name in a search engine, and my Polsonelli page will come up with all of my references to articles and my contact information. Fantastic. And you can also follow me on Twitter at, at Betsy Mountainay. That's at B-E-T-S-Y-M-O-U-N-T-E-N-A-Y. Well, thanks so much for taking the lead on that, Betsy. Yes, thanks to you both. We'll definitely keep an eye out for more developments in the HIPAA space. You've been listening to Law X.0 from Bloomberg Law. For more Bloomberg Law analysis, visit news.bloomberglaw.com slash Bloomberg law analysis. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dory underscore Goldstein. That's D-O-R-I underscore G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. And I'm at Meg McAvoy. M-E-G-M-C-E-V-O-Y. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Adam Allington. I'm the host of a new show from Bloomberg Environment called The Business of Bees. Here's what you need to know about it. We travel around the country talking to people at every corner of the honeybee ecosystem. This is the largest managed pollination event on Earth. In fact, commercial beekeeping is more important to farming than ever before. But bees are also under threat from pesticides and invasive pests and mysterious diseases. It's sort of like Christmas when you go to the hive in December and you open the lid. You just hope somebody's home. If you're interested in bees too, I think you might like the show. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts.